You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. What if the church is losing influence? Less than 20% of Americans attend church and it will no longer be that we are changing the world. Outside of church walls, there is no hope. For those who say we will bring hope are not living out what they preach. Let them no longer say they came together to make Jesus known. What if we forget this common purpose? The church cannot lay aside our differences and actually serve together. What if we abandon the city? We will refuse to look back and say, what if we did more? What if we could change it? What if we stepped out of denominational lines? What if we were united under one cause? What if we brought the love of Christ to our city? What if we flipped the script and did more? What if we look back and say we will refuse to abandon the city? What if we actually serve together and lay aside our differences? The church cannot forget this common purpose. What if we came together to make Jesus known? Let them no longer say they are not living out what they preach. We will bring hope for those who say there is no hope. Outside of church walls, we are changing the world. It will no longer be that less than 20% of Americans attend church and the church is losing influence. What if? church is a mighty force of God that is impacting the world around us. The Bible says that upon this rock, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you're a part of a mighty body of Christ, if you're a part of a force of God that is moving forward to shake the earth and to bring hope to the world, somebody make some noise this morning. If you're a part of something that is far greater than this world has yet seen, there's nothing greater than the work of Jesus Christ that uh, the, the power of God that when He rose from the dead, the world has not seen anything greater than that. But may we reveal the power of God with relevance and truth to our world that we live in, that we would not be Jesus to this earth, but we would reflect Him, that we would shine Him, that we would be a light in a dark place, that we would be a city set on a hill that would shine for the glory of God, that we would be a part of something far greater than ourselves. This morning we continue, or actually we conclude this series entitled Roles Reverse. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be wrapping this up. We, we kicked it off on Easter Sunday, and we, we started with this whole premise that we recognize that when Jesus came into our life, He reversed our roles. He, he reversed the roles in our life. He brought significance. He took what was ours and gave us what was His. How many know there's no greater exchange to have? happen on this earth than what Jesus Christ has done, that he took our sin, he took our punishment, he took our place, and he gave us his hope, he gave us his righteousness, he gave us his eternal promise that we would spend our eternity with him, that God has provided this for us. We looked at this on Easter Sundays, we 
kicked it off in the significance of what Christ has done for us. He's changed our role, that he took our place. He changed the role, that our role is not to take on to, to be punished because he took our place. He was punished for us, and because he's his stripes, the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed, that because of what he has done, he's paid the price. He's changed our identity. We've outgrown the nicknames, the things that we used to be known as, and things we used to be known for. He has changed us. We've, we've uh, had a changed identity. We've also looked at having a changed perspective, that the way that we look at, at things around us, that we see things with, with faith, and we don't look by, by sight, we look by faith, and we don't see things as they are, but we see that things as they are in heaven. And we make this our prayer, that as it is in heaven, let it be on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, according to the word and the promise of God, that we change our perspective. When you learn to see things, not through the lens of how life is going, but when you see things through the promise of God's word, that when we hold on to God's word, how many know that it is power to change everything? It's power to change the circumstance, that a perspective, just a perspective change can cause everything around to change. When we look at things through the eyes of faith and when we recognize in our relationship with Christ the roles are reversed, that we no longer look by sight, but we look by faith. Today I want to look at the objective that is changed, that God changes our objective, that when we come to Christ and we are in Christ, our objective changes. There's a switch that happens. There's a turn of events that takes place because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. If you have your Bible this morning in in uh, Philippians chapter 2, would you stand with me today? If the church is going to be mighty as God has equipped her to be in these last days, we must have a recognition, a clear understanding of what our objective is, what it is that God has called us to do. I want to share this morning just from a title uh, today called Roles of Engagement. Roles of Engagement. Philippians chapter 2, here's what the scripture says, looking at verse 1 in chapter 2. Paul is speaking, he says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one heart and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but he made himself of nothing. He took the humble position of a servant and became obedient even to death upon a cross. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have taken our place. Jesus, you paid the price for us on the cross. And Lord, now we have a role. You've put us in a place. The body of Christ has been called with an objective because of what you have done on the cross, because of the impact you've made in our life. So God, today I pray that you'd give us clear understanding, help us to hear your word, and God, help us to see it come alive in our hearts and in our future. We pray this for the glory of Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, I want you to find three people. You can count them, three people. High five them and tell them today it's your turn. It's your turn. Five, three people. Find three people. High five them. Tell them today it is your turn. You may be seated. 
It's your turn. It's your turn. There is a function and a flow to everything that happens even with a little bit of effectiveness. When something has an effect to it, it's because it's, a, it's effective because of the function and flow that goes together to make it work. The more that something is functioning and flowing properly, it will cause an effect to occur. And if we cause things to be even more and give detail and more description and develop the function and the flow of something, when you develop it, when you tweak it, it will cause it to become even more effective. That there can be an attitude that we can settle for good enough, that we can look and say, well, it accomplished something, that's enough, we leave it there. Or we can develop it and cause it to become even better. There are individuals that have businesses and when things begin to take off someone has an idea they have a concept and one person takes on an idea and the idea becomes a, a, a marketing piece and it becomes something that is that is a concept carried out and this individual has something from the beginning but how many know that when blessing and success and good things happen to that they've got to change how they're doing it or else they're going to be capped at what they've experienced if they don't get something that they're able to produce more if they don't add help to the to the equation if they don't bring people along, if they don't develop the structure and the system and the process of how it's happening, it will be stifled. It will stick and stay at just the point that it is. But whenever you develop the structure, whenever you develop the function, it opens the door for it to not only experience something good, but to become even greater. How many know that we serve a God who is all about making things greater? We serve a God who comes in the midst of where we are, and He wants to do good things in your life, but not only does He want to do good things in your life, He wants, to be, wants you and I to be a part of something greater than we've experienced before. I believe it's working, and it's a process in our business, in our, in our personal affairs, in the decisions that we we make. But it's also in our relationship with Christ as we seek first the things of God, as we position ourselves in a place to allow effectiveness to come through. There's a rhythm of how things move and how things get done. It works because there's a system that's working. It works because there's a system, there's a function, there's, there's things that are properly in place Effect is the, re the results of things simply being done properly and being done to their best ability and things being done the way that they're supposed to be. I want us to recognize this morning that in the body of Christ, God has a structure in place to see the world influence and impact or see the kingdom of God and the church impact and influence a world that is hurting, a world that is lost. You see, when Jesus came into your life, He didn't just save you and I so that we could have a hope and redemption. Yes, He did that. But the moment Jesus came into my life, it changed me. And when Jesus changed me, He put me among other people who continue to help me change. And I changed them. We become the body of Christ. We grow and we develop relationship. We become stronger as we grow in Christ together. Jesus in me causes me to interact with you. And now me and you together cause an influence on a body of Christ that can not help but change the world and the atmosphere that it lives in. If we're not changing and setting a course, it might be that we're not doing it with the best function and the best structure and the best system in place. If we're not impacting change, if we're not bringing hope, I believe that God is a God of growth and progress and that everything God is about grows, that everything God is in, it's blessed, it's healthy, that when we seek first the things of God, it causes an impact that's around us. 
I believe their business is here today. And I pray this, that your businesses prosper. That God will cause us to be prosperous in the things that he gives us. Here's why. Because in this day, we live in a culture and we live in a climate and an economic system that seems to be hurting. But how many know that we serve a God that even though things are difficult around us, we serve a God who's able to produce the supernatural and able to provide and able to bring provision and something of great blessing even when it looks like it should not be. Even when it feels like it's a climate, it shouldn't work in that climate. It shouldn't happen in that circumstance. It shouldn't take place in that situation. It shouldn't be working that way. But how many know that when God is in something, it works counter to its condition because God is a God who's able to create something out of nothing. And when we see him for what he desires to do, we make ourselves a part of something that cannot help but impact, cannot help but bring change and growth. I want to have an impact. And this morning, I want to look at this scripture. And here Paul is setting us up, really. You read this, and we start this scripture in looking in Philippians chapter 2. And Paul is carrying a theme and a thought of of how we need to be the body of Christ together and and the part part that we play. And he kicks off the first verse here of chapter 2. And he says, is there anyone encouraged from being in Christ? I wonder today, has Jesus brought any encouragement to anybody? How many, has anybody been encouraged because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Has anyone been comforted by the love of Jesus? Have you been supported and upheld by the love of Jesus? I wonder if there's anyone this morning who has been aided and helped because of the Spirit, having fellowship with the Holy Spirit, having fellowship with God in our life. Paul is saying this, is there any among you? And I can just picture the church when Paul is saying these words and it's written and somebody's reading what Paul has just written and Paul says, is there anyone who's been encouraged? Oh, Paul, you ought to know I've been encouraged. I wonder today, is there anybody who's been encouraged? He says, has anyone been comforted? Someone on the other side says, hey, Paul, I could tell you about when I was comforted. Has anyone been empowered by the, by the fellowship of the Spirit? Oh, I've had that. Has anyone been impacted because you've come to a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I can imagine they're going across the room. Oh, absolutely, it's been me. I've experienced that. It's me. And then Paul says right behind it, then do the same thing for one another. It's almost as if Paul is setting them up. He's he's bringing them to a place where he says, I want you to celebrate. I want you to know what you have in Christ. But it's almost a setup. Not only is he saying, have you experienced this, but he's bringing it to a climax. He says, this is what you have in Christ. You have this encouragement. You have this comfort. You have this provision. And he says, and I want you to be and do that for one another. I want it to be practical and tangible. In fact, He says this word, (coughs) he says in verse 2, then make me truly happy. Have you been encouraged? Have you been comforted? Have you been aided by, by fellowship with the Spirit? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and with one purpose. Paul says, you've experienced what God has done in your life. That's great. Now I want you to do that with one another and to experience that in the body of Christ together because when you do that, that is the impact of change and it begins to change circumstances and situations that would be around us when we become that. He makes it real and practical. And this morning, I want to share today some roles of engagement to make it real and practical. We understand rules of engagement. It's the the, the basis upon which armies or militaries engage in battle. There are certain 
certain criteria and necessities that they use to move forward. I want to look today as the roles of engagement in the body of Christ, that there's some things in place that if we're going to see an influence, to see an impact, to see the roles reversed in our culture of hopelessness becoming hope, of despair becoming a place of, of, of uh, provision, that there's a roles of engagement that I want to, want to look at and give some practical things this morning of recognizing. Here's number one. There are many roles. We need to understand this. Number one, there are many roles but one objective. There are many roles but one objective. We have a task to do and the objective is this, to take the hope of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Jesus said that our great commission or the great commission, he, told, he, he, he didn't use those words, but we understand this. The great commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 is that we're to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he promises that as we do that, he will be with us. We need to understand what our objective is we have many roles but there's one objective if you work on an assembly line you've got one particular part and there's a part that you're doing but the importance is what you're doing yes but what you're doing isn't everything it's just a part of what the big picture is it's a part of the big puzzle your objective is playing a part and recognizing that the great impact is to see the kingdom of God is to see the name of Jesus Christ exalted and made known in our world Jesus said this of himself, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. The objective that Jesus has. I want to encourage us that we've got to be careful that when we have an impact with Jesus, sometimes we can begin the journey and be impacted with Jesus, but along the way, lose sight of what the real objective is. We can lose sight sometimes in the journey of what the real objective is. And the objective has always been this, to proclaim Jesus Christ to a world that's dying, to a world that's hurting, to seek and to save the lost, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the objective. And being careful that somewhere along the way we don't allow our agenda to become our new objective. Sometimes we can get caught up on good causes, good things, and they have value. But we can sometimes make those things so important that we miss what it's all about. I believe that we need godly people in, 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 the, in the White House. We need godly people in leadership. We need godly people to do the work of God. But I want you to know our objective is not to get Christians into politics. Our objective is far greater than political realm. Our objective is far greater than the things. Yes, we need to have wisdom. Yes, we need to, to, to be wise and to make choices. We need to be engaged and be involved. But that's not our objective. Our objective is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ our objective is not to defend the things of, 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 of ethics and morals. It's not our job to defend those things and to stand and make a cause and to make sure it's not even our job and our objective to make sure that the Ten Commandments are posted in every public place. I believe they ought to be there. It's important for them to be there. But that's not my job. My job is to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, to live as Jesus Christ in a world that's hurting, in a world that's dying. That's not my objective. But we keep track of what it is that our objective, keeping track of what it is, the purpose for what we're called to do is to proclaim Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, that if we get caught up in agendas, I want you to know this as well. Listen, as a Pentecostal believer, 
filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing the gifts of the Spirit, the, 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 the ability or, or the things that God gives, the power of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues and knowing that God has provided all of that. But that is a provision that God has made. Our objective is not to get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Our objective is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And that is a process by which we make disciples. But the ultimate goal and desire is to make sure that we proclaim Jesus Christ in a world that's lost, in a world that's hurting. It's not an objective, anything other than proclaiming Jesus Christ. When we proclaim Jesus Christ, here's the, the, the thing, that we, when we can make it about certain things or other things, we get off track and we take on an objective that is not what it's about. The objective is that we would know Jesus that we would make Jesus known, that we would tell a world that is lost and proclaim who Jesus Christ is, that there would be a love of God in our heart. And here's what I believe, the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that when we go in Jesus' name, we can lay our, our hands on the sick and they'll recover and we get to declare that's the power of Jesus Christ, that we get to declare who Jesus Christ is, that we use all that God has given us, everything that is done, that Jesus might be glorified. Can I ask you today, is your objective to make Jesus known? Has it become your objective to proclaim Jesus Christ, to know Jesus Christ, that there are many roles, but there's one objective? And here, Paul is identifying some of these roles. Paul is identifying some of the roles that, that, that we might have. And, and he looks here, and knowing in the Scripture, he says that there are some that, that we, we're to bring encouragement or we're to uh, agree with one another. He says as well that we're supposed to bring comfort and to love one another. He also says that we're supposed to work together, that when we're in sequence, when we're in a place of proper order, when a function is happening together, that's when we do more. When we know the role that God has called us to and we do what God has called us to, that's when we can accomplish something of greatness. Here's a picture. I just call them this, the, the encourager, the supporter, and the carrier. If you were to look at this, Paul says, have you, been, have you received encouragement from Jesus? Have you received comfort, which is, is love, the same word love? Have you received that support from Jesus? And he says, have you received the aid, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? And when you have the fellowship of the Spirit, it becomes God, His hands, and His Spirit that empowers and helps us. He says, have you received this from Jesus? If you've done it, then make my joy even more complete. Make me happier than anything else by being that to one another, by being that encouragement. You've received it from Jesus individually. Now, now allow that to come about in the way that you interact with one another because when we do that together, that's the impact that begins to go on. It's the impact that begins to change the world. I would the picture that I have, and just as was looking at this, thinking of of a relay race. That there are individuals I've never ran a relay race in my life. I've ran in intramural sports. That was about it. You had track and field day in, in elementary school. Anybody remember those? You had uh, track and field day. I hated those days. <clears throat> Running was not my my fond thing, and I, I'd never participate in a relay, but I've watched this, and, and you watch the race that takes place, and there are multiple people that have the objective to get this baton across the line. It's to get it across the line in a time frame, because the way that you do it in the amount of time that you have determines or makes the difference whether or not you win. It's making sure that you work together, that this 
piece of equipment that it gets across the line, that it makes it there in a certain amount of time. And you realize that someone along the way has a job and it's, it's someone's role and someone's responsibility and they're individuals that everybody has a turn somewhere in the way that when someone is running, how many of you have ever ran relay races? You know more than I do. You already know more than I do. I'm just a preacher. I don't, I don't know anything. Uh, ask the guys who come to my house to help me fix things. I just stand and watch and say, that was good. That's good. That's good. That's good. <coughs> you run a relay and you realize that someone has a part in that relay. And somewhere along the way, you're going to have a job to do, but it's going to, de- going to depend on what role and what place that you're in. Sometime there's one person who's going to carry it. That person is running. They've got the, 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 the mark. They're heading off. They are running because they have the baton. But how many know just because they're running, everybody else is not sitting around for Gatorade break? There's still an engagement that's happening. There's a, there's a process that's going on. There might be one person who's running that trek, who's taking that, 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 that journey, the one person who's running, but there's another person who's standing there waiting to take that baton. They're waiting. It's a little foam baton. I got it at the dollar store for $2, but I need it back. You can have it. You can hold on to that. I'll take it back. You don't look too excited about holding the baton. If it's your turn to take it, it's your turn to take it. You've got to run with it. It's your turn. The moment it hits your hand, it's your turn to run with it. But when you're done running, you're not just done. Now you cheer on the one who's running. And you're waiting. Now the next person is waiting until it's their turn to take it. You're not just sitting by idle. You're in a role and at a place. And here's what I want you to see a picture of. That we are running this race together. That we have this role. And there's a time for us to take our turn. Look at your neighbor this morning. Tell me it's your turn. I don't know what your turn is. It might be your turn to take the baton and to run with it. But if you're not running with the baton, then it's your turn to be the encourager. It's your turn to cheer on. You're to be the encourager. You're to give encouragement and agreement and say we're in this together. How many know your life has been impacted because someone came along and just gave you some encouraging words? If someone came along and brought a hope and brought some, some, some presence of God and just brought words of encouragement, they didn't do a thing but just encourage you. Sometimes them just being there. How many know what I'm talking about? Just because they showed up, it becomes encouragement. There are individuals that they don't even have to say anything, do anything, but they were just there. And because they were there, it became an encouragement. I saw them on the, I saw them on the track. I saw them in the place that I was running. They were in the place. They were there. They were on my team. They're running with me. I'm the one running right now, but they're right beside me and a part of this. But then there comes that moment where I hand off that baton and I give it to someone else. And the moment I give it to someone else, I'm now supporting that person because now it's no longer my job to run. I'm now supporting and I'm coming with a love, with action. How many know that if you don't, if you don't have action to your love, it's not really love? That we're to love one another in that love that we encourage. There might be resources. I've got things that you don't have, but you need this to run. I can give to you what God has given to me and help you run. There have been people in my life who have come along and have given me things to help me run this race that God has given me or God has called me to do. I didn't have all that I needed, but someone came along along the way and they gave me what I needed to run. He needed to run and he couldn't run until this baton got put into his hand and it becomes time. I'm supporting the work that God wants to do in his life. And there's someone encouraging. There's someone giving resource. And then there's someone, when it's your turn, run with it. Here's the problem sometimes. 
it's our turn to run. And sometimes it's our turn to cheer. And sometimes it's our turn to resource. Whatever it is, when it's your turn, take it. The only thing that makes it hard to take its turn, to take our turn, is when someone won't let go of the baton. Whenever they're holding on, I, let me tell you this way. I was, we had um, our uh, uh, kids spring sing on Wednesday night in our Shepherd's Hand preschool. We had the bounce house and the, and the uh, inflatables, and we just had a, uh, a wonderful time uh, together. And there was a, some kids in the bounce house, and they're jumping. And I heard one of the moms say, come on, it's someone else's turn. And mom said, you need to get off. It's someone else's turn. And the little kid began to jump and said, wait, mom, look at this. And I thought of that today as I was working, they're preparing this week on this, this message that sometimes it's someone else's turn, but before someone else gets a turn, there's someone who's standing up and say, oh, wait, look at me. Oh, wait, let me show you something. Oh, wait, and we sometimes let the objective be about what we do and what we're about and forget to be the place of empowering someone else, that the power of what we do is not what we do, but what we enable someone else to do to the glory of God. If I live my life and I've done something for Jesus, praise God. But if there's no one that I've influenced to help run the race and go even further, then what I've done is not of much impact. Only when I've put this in someone else's hand, that it's someone else's turn. This isn't about me. This isn't about my, my, my agenda, my objective. This is about the kingdom of God that is advancing. It's your turn. And sometimes there's a place where I've got to give someone else a turn. I'm looking and I'm asking God, when is it someone else's turn? Number one, that we realize there are many roles, but there's one objective. Let me give you number two. Leadership is not taken before it is first given. Listen to that. Leadership is not taken before it is first given. You cannot run until someone gives you the opportunity. Number one, the call of God, the power of God. But you wait your turn, and when it's your turn, you run. That person who's running ahead needs to know when it's time to reach back. But that person who's running and they're on the run, they need to know when it's time to let go. Because if they try to hold the baton at the same time, how many know there's a problem? You're slowing the race down. Nothing's getting done. And too many times, there are people holding on to a baton and instead of being effective for the kingdom of God we're slowing down the process because we're fighting over whose baton and how it ought to be it needs to be this style it needs to be this way you're pretty good at tug of war you can pull on that it needs to look like this no it needs to be this way no it needs to have this and we miss the objective because Jake's going to have a great time when you go through marriage counseling or premarital counseling you guys are going to have to talk about that grip that you've got so be kind to him when you get married that sometimes we can get caught up in making it about something that it's not and knowing when it's time for someone else. It's got to be given. Do you know what I pray? That we have the culture at Faith Assembly, that we develop even more the culture of making this our job to look for who's the next person to lead. Looking for the next person. Why? Because, well, I'm tired of doing this. I'm lazy. I don't know. But if we're going to do more if we're going to be, have a greater impact, it's not when one person gets louder, it's when more people get speaking. It's not one point getting louder, it's when now there become more speakers in the room 
and there's more people. There's more things that are going. We're empowering people to go and to experience and to do that we raise up people that we look. I wonder in places of ministry, are you looking for those that we can invest in? Are we looking for those that we can teach that it's time? There's a place, there's a time to run, but then there's a time to hand it off to somebody. You know what I believe one of my one of my things that I want to do is find people who can do the stuff that I started doing so they can keep on doing it and I can go do something else. I want to get something else up and going. I want to start something else. Let's go to another area, another place, and and let's, let's develop. Because now you've got a function and a system that starts to develop, and you're able to do more because leadership is first given before it's taken. That we've got to, that before we can take leadership, it's got to be given. And we've got to be individuals who are looking for people to give leadership to. That we're giving opportunity for people to lead. We're giving opportunity for someone else to to take their turn, to go and to run this race, but knowing as well that we've got this, this time frame that we need to work with and knowing that it's our turn, and when it's our turn, we run. We know that leadership is something that has to be given, but the difficulty is when Philippians chapter 2 tells us this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. That we would develop the culture of knowing when it's time to hand off the baton. When's it time to step up? Now here, I want to tell you this, listen. It means that someone needs to know when to let the baton go. There also needs to be people on the other side who are willing to take up the baton. Because if someone's ready to give the baton but they don't take it and it falls, how many know that's a disqualification? Let me give you number three. And number three is this, the role role of engagement. Number three is I want you to see the severity of this, that disqualification is a possibility. It's possible to be disqualified. What profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That in this race we can run and we can run in such a way and and anyone, those of you who ran the relay races, you know this, I've never done this, you know it better than I do, but when you run, you know that there's a time that you need to hand that off and when you hand that off and give it to someone else that If it's dropped, it becomes disqualified. But handing this baton off, look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 22, Paul says this, he says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. How many know Paul is saying this is my objective? I do everything I can to proclaim the good news. My objective is when I'm with the weak people, I become weak to those who are weak. I become an encourager to those. I'm doing everything I can to bring hope, to share the good news. Verse 24 
Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Notice Paul says here, he says, I fear this. I want to encourage us that we need a healthy dose of fear in our relationship with God. Not a fear that feels like we can never come near him, but a fear that says, God, I don't want to miss the opportunities. I don't want to take advantage of or take for granted what it is that you've done in my life. That when we take for granted the mercy and the grace that God has poured out on us, when we take for granted, well, I can mess up and God will just fix me later. That is taking advantage of God's grace and of his mercy. It is crucifying Jesus all over again. It is living in a way that is careless towards the presence of God. It's careless towards the things of God. But when there's a fear in us that says, I don't want to be disqualified. I want to I honor this work that God has called us to do, that in this race, that we carry out the role, and when it's our turn, that we don't become disqualified, that when we take that, when we take that, we run with it. And there might be some of us today, and those of you that, are, that have ran the race, you know that if that, if that baton drops, it becomes a disqualification. And as I looked at this, something that struck me is, you know, the enemy often worries my mind or consumes my mind with the fear of being unqualified. How many have ever felt that way? That the devil tells you you don't have what it takes. You don't have it. You don't have what it takes for that. You're not, you're not good enough for that. You don't have what it takes. And the devil tries to make me feel unqualified. And I realize that when you feel unqualified, it's feeling as if you've ne- you, you never had it or, or you never, you, you've never had what you needed. But our fear is not that we would be unqualified. The real threat is that we would be disqualified because there's a difference between being unqualified that says you never had it, but disqualified is you used to have it, but you lost it. You lost what you once had. That you become disqualified when you lose what you once had. Let me ask you today, you had vision, you had passion, you had desire for God, but today you've lost what you once had and you dropped what you used to possess. That it becomes disqualified, but in that place that we need to pick up, and maybe you've lost vision, you've lost sight of what the objective is. You've got caught up in living the, the comfortable life, got caught up in making it about something that it's not. You become, you become an agenda based with something that doesn't line up completely with the complete heart of God. It's a part of what God would call us to do, but it's not the complete heart. The complete heart is to proclaim Jesus Christ, to bring hope to a place that's hurting, to preach Jesus and Him crucified to tell a world that is in darkness that there is a hope and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. I want to give you this last thing today in recognizing the roles of engagement, that this role of engagement is that there are many roles, but there's one objective. There's only one objective. There's only one objective. There's only one objective. There can be good ideas, there can be good points, but the only thing that matters is that Jesus Christ is proclaimed.
There's many roles, but one objective. The next role of engagement is that leadership, before it can be taken, must first be given. And there's a time we've got to know when it's our turn. Know when it's our turn. It might be our turn today to encourage somebody. You know, wisdom is knowing when it's your turn to be the person to do what you're supposed to do. If you're the person that always has to talk, you might not know when it's your turn to listen. Because it's not always your turn to talk. If it's always your turn to talk, if it's always your turn to come up with the ideas, if it's always your turn, then you're narrowing the opportunity to see God do something great because it's not when you're the person doing it all, but it's when we play the part and we take the part that God has us to be. It might be our turn to hold the baton. It might be our turn to hand off the baton. It might be our turn to encourage whatever it might be, but to play the role that God has for us. But when it's our turn, make sure you take it. When it's your turn, take it. I'm not as young as I used to be. And some of you are looking at me saying, well, you don't know what old is. That's what I say to teenagers. How many know it's all relative? It's this whole process that along the way that we, that we, that we impact and we learn to hand off and we learn to reproduce because the health of anything is when we learn how to reproduce, how to hand it off, how to raise up the next generation. The thing that will kill the church is when we become, and I saw this, I preached in a church a number of years ago as I was traveling. And when I came to the church, the church is surrounded with opportunity all around it. I was a youth alive missionary running after teenagers with the whole call of taking Jesus to the public schools and equipping and empowering students to be missionaries to their public school. I visited a church that was literally centered by a great public school. And the church property was right in the middle of the public school system. I thought, what a place to do something for the kingdom of God. But the sign told me that they had a different agenda. And the sign said this, church name. And they gave their tagline. And their tagline was this, preserving the Pentecostal traditions. What? Preserving the Pentecostal traditions. Now I realize you might say, oh, well that means the power of the Holy Spirit. I wish that's what it meant. It may have meant that to somebody when they started, but somewhere along the line, it became this, no, this is the way we do it. There's a style. There's a how-to. And I said, do you guys ever connect with the school up there? Have you ever been able? Well, we've had some people come, but they never stay. I wonder if your objective is more about keeping your fortress and not about reaching the lost, about reaching a world that's dying and going to hell. I wonder if it might be more about what seems important to you. And you might even justify it and say, well, I'm just doing what's important to God. Don't always fool ourselves that we might think we're doing what's important to God when in reality it's just our objective of hey I want to show you something I want you to look at this but our objective needs to be Jesus I don't want to look at anything or have anybody look at anything except your cross except who you are except the hope that you bring to a world that is lost and dying and going to hell is that alright if we make that our objective that we make Jesus Christ known that we proclaim the hope that is in Jesus Christ not make it about what it's not don't hear me today to say oh 
that preacher doesn't believe in those things. That's not what I said. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the work of God. But I believe in it so much that God doesn't need me to tell him how to do it. That I can say to God, God, help us to trust you to make this not about our role. I want you to know in two weeks, we're going to be doing a series, kicking off a series called Decent and in Order. We're going to be doing a whole series on how to live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, what it, how the, the significance, the importance of knowing God, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is of importance. As we said last week, sometimes we got to be careful that we make sure that we keep it what it's all about. Today I want to ask you, are you running the race? Or have you dropped the baton and becoming disqualified? Those of you that ran this relay, you know this. Roughly 60-some feet. 20 meters total, I guess. But who knows meters? We know feet. We're Americans. About 63 yards or so, or 63 feet, that you have a period of time that marks the middle. And in that exchange zone, is the time that you have to hand off that baton. If that baton doesn't cleanly get passed off in that exchange zone, it becomes disqualified. You may have ran the best lap and beat everyone else to that line and beat everyone else to that place, but if you don't properly hand off the baton in that exchange zone, it doesn't matter what you did on the last lap because nothing will last in that moment. It will be disqualified at that point. Let me give you this last one, this last roles roles of engagement is this, that our race is not against talent, but against time. Our race is not against talent, but against time. Too often, we make the race trying to do better and be better. I've got to do better, look better, be better. I've got to be better. And we try to make the race about talent. The race is not about talent. It's about time. We're emphasizing what needs to be done because Jesus Christ is coming back. Hello, two earthquakes in Japan, one in Ecuador. The signs of the time, all that is happening. You might say, oh, earthquakes have been going on. I get it, I know, but it's happening more often in diverse places. Jesus Christ is soon to return. The time is on the clock. We've got to hand it off. We've got to make sure this gets to the lost, gets to the dying, gets to the broken. We've got to make sure that we take the hope of Jesus Christ because there's only a period of time. Starts the moment you enter, but you better hand it off because the moment you leave the exchange zone, what you've done is done. I don't know how many days, months, and years I have left, but I'm going to live every moment like it's the next moment Jesus is coming back. It's the last moment I've got to do what God has put on my heart to do. This is the opportunity. This is the now. This is the privilege. This is the moment. I'm going to hand it off. I want to ask you this morning. Maybe you've dropped it along the way. 
Now in the Olympics, you'd be disqualified. Or even in the elementary track and field, you'd be disqualified. How many know there's a God who says, I'll pick you up again? I'll pick you up again. You may have lost sight when you were running after. You, you may, and this is a call to those who have known Jesus and you've been running after Jesus, but somewhere along the line, you lost your vision. You lost your passion. You dropped it. And instead of passing that vision, and instead of passing on that passion, it became an objective that was different than what God has. But today, God would say that he wants us to pick up and run the race. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.